All in all, all I want to say is, what a phenomenal time in our church. What a phenomenal time in, in, in just the history of Christ Community Church in Crawford, Nebraska. I mean, it's incredible the year we had last year. I think probably, uh, not to get too bogged down in it, but I think all-time attendance, all-time uh, finances, all-time baptisms. I mean, it was just one of those remarkable years. The last Sunday of the year, we did the baptisms, and uh, 99 was Irene's attendance. I told her just to give me one because, I mean, then I can say 100, and it sounds so much better than 99. <laughs> Here at church, God is incredible, and it's, it's an awesome time in our church. But God is challenging me as a leader. God is challenging me in my heart as a pastor that sometimes we become content where we are. My message today is that where we are is not where we're going. My message today is that, yes, this is a remarkable time in, in, in our church and in our church body, in my leadership in the church, but I want to say with assurance that God doesn't have us where He's taking us yet. God has not finished. We're not where we're going yet. But sometimes we become so just content or we become so compelled that we just want to stay where we're at. As a presbyter, I get to go into churches. Let me tell you, I believe that God is going to, and I haven't said this publicly, so excuse me for a second. I believe that God is going to use our church as a model, not because of me and not because of us, not for our pride, but as a model for rural ministry throughout our nation. As a presbyter, I go into rural churches, and I will tell you, in rural communities, churches are dying. In rural churches, or in rural communities, we're seeing rural churches that, 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 have, that are struggling to exist. They're struggling to get by. God is not doing that in our church. And I believe that God is, is calling our church out to use us as a model, not because of us, not because we're better than anybody else, but because we're listening to His voice and we're trying to follow His word. I believe that God is going to use our church as a model to encourage rural churches throughout Nebraska, throughout our nation, that yes, we can still reach people who need to be reached. Let me tell you, my brain, I like numbers, okay? So we baptized, this is not in my notes, sorry. We baptized 12 people on the last Sunday of, of uh, December. Do you know what percentage that was of our community? Crawford, I saw last census, 940 people. That's 1.25% of our community we baptized. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know there's a lot of churches in America that can talk about reaching that percentage of their community in one service in, in, in that way. Uh, and you may think 1.25% doesn't seem like a lot. I will tell you, in church numbers, that is absolutely incredible. Think of 1.25% of Omaha, Nebraska. I'm not worried about the, 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 the number, the multitude, but I'm worried about the effectiveness or how we're reaching. And I will tell you, as a church, we're reaching our community more effectively than the majority of churches. 
That's not for pride. That's not that's because of where we're at. But because of where we're at, I'm not content. Because we're not there yet. There's still people we need to reach. There's still groups of people that we we need to reach into. And so what I'm challenged with this morning, and the word that we're going to look at, is, is more pastor pushing us. I mentioned I walk into to churches and I can see where they arrived. I've shared this before. Because a lot of time when a church has arrived, that's where they stay. And so I can walk in a church and I can tell you just by walking in the door and walking in the sanctuary when that church was at its peak. Because oftentimes it hasn't changed since. The church still looks like 1960, it still looks like 1970, or still looks like 1980 based upon that's where they got. And I think sometimes that's where we get. We get to a place and we become comfortable and we've arrived. God's challenging my heart and I hope he challenges you today that we're not there yet. I'm talking corporately, but I'm also going to talk to you individually. In your walk with the Lord, sometimes we set these, these goals or these mountains and we say, if I get saved, then I'm there. If I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, then I'm there. If I'm serving in the church, then I'm there. If I'm a pastor, then I'm there. And, and the challenge that I have is that I believe that we're not there yet. I'm going to talk about Abraham in a little bit. Abram then. But oftentimes, I believe we become content and don't truly experience the fullness of God's plan for our life. We become content with where we are because it's comfortable or because it feels good or because we see prosperity, but we don't experience the fullness of what God has has set us out to accomplish. We can be content. Our church is great right now. Phenomenal. God has something that we haven't obtained yet. What is it, Pastor? I'm not really sure. What's it going to look like? Well, I get glimpses, but I don't know for sure. What do I know is I know that I'm going where he wants me to go. This morning, I want to look at Philippians chapter 3. Talk about someone who could have made it. Philippians is written by Paul. Paul accomplished quite a bit. Read the book of Acts. This is written kind of after the book of Acts. I mean, he started churches. He's seen revival. He's, he's, he's got disciples or followers. He's discipling people. I mean, he's got incredible works and in, in what he's accomplished in his life. But, but Paul is living by a model that I'm not there yet. I'm going to pray and I'm going to read these words and I'm going to preach an awful lot this morning. God, I pray for us this day. God, I rejoice in where we are. I acknowledge what you've done to bring us where we are. I thank you, Father, for for the, for the value of our church and for, for the accomplishments of, of where we are. But God, I, I also thank you for where you're taking us. And I pray this morning, God, for us in this place. I pray as we focus corporately, as we focus inwardly, God, that you speak to our hearts. I pray for Paul's words, for the story of Abram, to challenge us in where we are. God, help us to hear from you this day. 
I thank you that you've given us the spirit of God, that he's a counselor and an advocate for us this morning. And I pray, God, that our hearts and minds would be yielded to your very spirit, that Holy Spirit, you would speak clearly to us. Illuminate truth. Let us understand you without question this day. Highlight before us what we need to hear, God. Help us to process your word in truth for myself, God, as I speak. I pray you would speak. That this day would be about your word flowing forth in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians chapter 3. Not that I have already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal. Paul He's now in prison because of all he's been doing for the kingdom of God. Paul probably could have said, I'm going to ride off into the sunset or I'm going to stay right here and everything's going to be good. He's in prison for all that he's been doing for God. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul recognized that where he is is not where he's going. Paul recognized that what he has done is not all that God has to accomplish in his life. And so he is making it aware to the church in Philippi. He's encouraging them with this letter, but he's also telling them, hey guys, I want you to know he's modeling for them this very reality that I'm not there yet. There's a goal and I'm going to press on toward that goal and I'm going to press on until I obtain that goal. There's a promise, there's a plan that God has for my life and that plan is not going to be complete until when? I'm heavenward with Christ Jesus. This morning I want to look at pressing, pressing on. Abram is a, is a model. Genesis uh, chapter 11. I want to read some verses that we often skip over because it's in the uh, genealogy. Genesis uh, chapter 11, verses 31 and 32. Terah, who was Abram's father, okay, took his son Abram and his grandson Lot of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur to the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived about 205 years and he died in Haran. Now where were... Go ahead and go to the next slide. And I, I, yeah, so this is where they were. This is where Abram and Terah and Lot were in Ur. Okay? And they set out for where? They set out for for Canaan, which is this area over here. And so they must have, for trade routes, whatever, they went north and they came to this city. And what did they do? They stayed there, right? That's obviously where uh, uh, Terah's family was from. There was family connections, relatives there. I mean, that's, that's a place of comfort for them. But they set out for where? They set out for Canaan. They came to a place called Haran. And Scripture says they settled there. I don't have this slide, but I want to read something from Acts chapter 7. Well, Acts chapter 7, and I'm going to read verse 2. This is Stephen's sermon. To this he replied, Brothers, 
and fathers. Listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. That's in this land where they were. Now, we see that Terah set out for Canaan. We know that's where he's going. I think Acts is telling us why he's going there. So God has spoken, it says, in Acts chapter 7, to Abraham while he was in Mesopotamia. Leave your country and your people. God said, go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And after the death of his father, God sent him to the land where you are now living. There was a goal. Terah took his son and his grandson and he said, we're going somewhere. Now, I can imagine if I told my kids we were going to Disney World and I got somewhere around Tennessee and I said, this is where we're stopping. Look, it's Dollywood. Let's go there instead. We went to Graceland and we saw Elvis and all that stuff. Did my kids ever experience the mouse? They set out to go somewhere. I am so compelled by this story. I'm compelled by the reality that a father and his son can set out for the land of Canaan and they can come to a town named Haran and they just settle there. How long did they stay there? They had never got to where Dad was going. In Genesis, it says that Terah set out for Canaan. Canaan, whether he knew it or not, is the promised land. Yet he settled in Haran. So many times we set out for what we believe is a God-given plan. We know where we're going. We know what we're supposed to accomplish and we start down that path with the greatest intentions in the world. This might be corporately and this might be personally. God, it's a new year. I'm going to do this this year. I'm going to read my Bible every day. We set out on that path and they came to a town that was comfortable and it was good there. That's where their relatives were. That's where their family, they knew people and and things went well and they just stayed there. Man, what challenges me. How many times have I settled when God had something greater? How many times have I stopped when God was telling me to go, but man, it's good. It's good. It's good. we got a comfortable place. Everything's going well. There's a McDonald's. I mean, whatever it is, we stay because we're comfortable. But God has told us to go. But God has spoken to us to go, yet we settle. Church, I don't want to pastor 
a church that's settled. I don't want to be a pastor who settles. I don't want to be a pastor who's content just to ride this baby out into the sunset until I go home to meet Jesus Christ. Because I wholeheartedly believe that God is taking us somewhere and I want to see where God is taking us. I want to experience the fullness of His plan. Yes, we're in the will of God. I believe Haran may not look like it on the map, but at that time was on the way. They were in the will when they got there. But they settled. Paul said, I want to press on. I want to press on. So what happens? Father dies. Abraham can stay, right? Abram can stay. Genesis chapter 13, right? Sorry, chapter 12. Right after dad dies. God speaks to Abram again. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. What I loved was, even though they settled, God's plan wasn't finished. God's plan wasn't determined by their settling. He still had spoken to Abram while he was in Mesopotamia that I'm taking you somewhere. Even though dad had passed away, he said, Abram, I haven't gotten you where I'm taking you. So he looks at him in Genesis chapter 12 and he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Talk about incredible. He tells him to do three things, right? What three things does God tell Abram to do? Leave your native country. Well, you're getting ahead of me. Leave your native country. Who else are you leaving? Leave your relatives and family, right? And then go, right? Three things that Abram has to do. And then what? You will be famous. You will be great. People will, you will bless all the people of the earth. I mean, talk about a crazy, incredible promise that doesn't make sense for Abram and Haran. But God's got a plan. God's got a, got a purpose. God's got a goal. So what does Abram do, if we just skip down that chapter just a little bit, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot. What did God tell him to do? Who did he take? Genesis, he says, so he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he'd taken into his household at Haran, and they headed for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up a, chance, uh, a camp by the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. 
The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to you and your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated to the Lord who had appeared to him. Sometimes God speaks to us very clearly, yet we try to do things our way. Now he settled first, right? He said, go to the, <coughs> to the land I'm taking you. And, and, and Scripture says he settled in Haran. Then God speaks to him and he says, these three simple things I'm going to ask you. Leave your country, leave your family, and go. And what does Abram do? He does the same thing that we do. He leaves his country and goes, but he takes his nephew Lot along with him. It's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, it's just his nephew. They've, he traveled with him from Ur. Why would he leave him behind in Haran? I mean, but God said, leave your, your relatives and your family. He said, go. And so Abram kind of did, but he brought along Lot. Well, sometimes we make our choices in God's plan, and it comes back to bite us. Well, what, what's it look like? I mean, in Scripture, it looks like things are, are going fine. We go ahead one chapter. Lot was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep, goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. So what is happening to Abram and Lot? Yes, they had to go down to Egypt for a while because of famine. But is God not blessing both of them? Are they not both experiencing tremendous prosperity? If it says that in the verse that I selected, he had also become very wealthy, who else had become very wealthy? Abram and Lot have become very wealthy in going where God told them to go, or told Abram to go. Verse 6, But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So what happened? Disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, the Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. So Abram did his way. He went. He took his nephew with him. They're in the land that God told them to go. But what's happening? Now there's division. You see how sometimes our disobedience comes back to to stir us in, in the end? God was trying to prepare him for this. Like, hey, just go. Man, but Lot, he's a good guy. He needs to come with me. We'll get along better. We do life together well. Whatever it is. And, and so he kind of modified what God desires. And now we're seeing just one chapter later. Division and strife. Fighting and quarreling are rising up. So what are we going to do? Abram is presented with the problem. He's looking at life now. He's dealing with the the quarrels and the strife. He's dealing with the situation and circumstance that, that he's facing. So what does he do? 13, 8 and 9. Go to that slide real quick. Genesis 13, 8 and 9. Finally, Abram said to Lot, this is after the fighting, this is after the quarreling, this is after they're bickering over who gets the water here and who gets this pasture, this is after they're saying we don't have enough grass and whatever else. Finally, Abraham said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close. 
We're close relatives. I mean, our words, do you ever think how foolish our words make us sound sometimes? God told me to leave who? To leave my relatives? And now Abram's saying, hey, let's not let this come between us. I mean, we're close. So he comes up with his solution. I don't see him counseling God in the midst of this decision. God told who to go to the land of Canaan? God told him to go to the land that he would give him. Who was he giving the land to? What is Abram's choice? Man, we're good family. We're close relatives. So I tell you what. The whole countryside is open. I mean, there's a lot of space here. A lot. Take your choice. Any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land on the left, then I'll take the land on the right. And if you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. What has Abram just done? Has he not given away half of what God has promised? Without consulting God at all. He's looking at the situation and he's dealing with the turmoil and he's dealing with the frustration and he's dealing with the division and he's dealing with the strife and the awkwardness of, uh, of his nephew. And so he looks at his nephew. Doesn't even say we can cast lots and God can tell us who gets left and who gets right. He looks at his nephew and he says, Nephew, God has promised me all this. Look at all this. This is, this is all of ours. You want to go left? And I'll go right. You want to go right? And I'll go left. But you tell me and we'll be content from here on out. How many times have we sold out the, the promise of God because we're trying to placate relationship? We're trying to reconcile in the only way that we see fit He's not counseling God. He's not seeking out God. He's not seeking His counsel. But He's saying to Lot, make your mind and that's what it'll be. Wait. This was God's promise. This was the land that God was was giving. So He settles... And then because of maybe his own failure in life, maybe it's, he senses it's his fault that he's facing this, this struggle with his nephew. He, he reduces, he, he cuts in half the goal or the plan of God. He limits God's plan because of his choices. Have you ever done that? My mistake? God, you never can do that. My mistakes? Yeah, when you promised that I didn't bring Lot along. I don't want to settle and I don't want to limit. It's easy to limit in a rural context what God can do. It's easy to say, God, you can't do much more. I mean, we've only got the the right 
or we've only got the left, and if we just read our, reach what's, what's left, then we'll be fine. It's okay, God, I get it. We can't reach the nations. We can't impact the world. We can only do so much. We're limited in number. We're limited in finance. We're limited in resources. I mean, we can start to say all the reasons we can't. We can start to say, well, we're, we're just destined for this place. I mean, we can be content. No, God has a plan. God has a goal that is not defined by my limitations. So what happens? I love this. I love this. You continue in the chapter. Abram has already settled. He's already cut the, 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 the promise in half. And God is faithful. Let me tell you something. God is faithful in the promise that He's spoken to you. Let me tell you something. God's promise is not defined by your settling or your mistakes. God's promise is not defined by your limitations or what you've decided. He had a promise for Abram. He had a promise that He spoke to him in Mesopotamia. He had a promise that He spoke to him in Haran. And He has a promise that He speaks to him in Canaan. And what does His promise say? The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated, Whoa! 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 After Lot had separated, the decision had been made. He says to Abram, lift up your eyes. Why do I have to lift up my eyes? Maybe I'm looking so much at what's around me. Maybe I'm looking so far at the left or the right that I can't see the goal that God has for me. So he looks at Abram and he says, lift up your eyes. Look. You've just limited to the right or left. Lift up your eyes. And look, you've just told me that Lot could choose left or right. Lift up your eyes and look. Look where? Look northward, look southward, look eastward, look westward. That sounds like everywhere. Look northward, look south, look east, look west. He says, Abram, look everywhere for the land, for all the land, for all the land, for everything you see. I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that one, if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through what? The length and the breadth of the land. For I will give it to you. God's promise wasn't limited by Abram's choice. God's promise wasn't defined by Lot's choice. God's promise was defined by the goal and the plans that He had. Listen, the the, the plans, the goal, the purposes of God in your life, they're not defined by your limitations. I pray God speaks to you, even in the midst of being discouraged, even if you have your head down and you're discouraged because your relatives were fighting. 
That God would speak to you and He would say, lift up your eyes. Look up. Look as far to the north as you can see, as far south, as far east, and as far west. Walk the breadth and length of of all this land and I will give that to you. I don't know that. That's exciting. I, I mean, I don't know if you're thinking about this, but Abram had just defined what God could do, and God said, I'm not defined by you. I'm defined by who I am, and what I have, and what I desire, and what my plans are. Your mistakes, your settling, your, your discouragements, maybe your wrong turns, they haven't defined the goal that I have for your life. Believer, child of God, the goal that God has for your life has not yet been attained. The goal that God has for your life, you're not there. You may feel like you're in prison, confined, and and every restriction facing you, but the reality is, the promise of His Word, Paul's saying, I've not yet attained the goal that is mine in Jesus Christ. You may be living good. You may be doing the right things. But, but, but maybe it's not what you're doing, but, but how you're doing it. Or maybe it's not the, the, the degree at which you're serving, but God wants to take you to another place. What's the limit on I've become Christ? I've been crucified with Christ. That's my goal as a believer, right? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Are you the reflection of Christ? Let me ask your wife. Pam, am I the reflection of Christ? Don't answer that question too loud. (laughs) But I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I may make mistakes. I may settle at times in my walk. But God's made me a promise. God's called me a joint heir with Jesus Christ. God said I'm made in His very image. I'm going to be I'm not content with being close. I'm not content with sometimes. I'm not content with just half. Hey, just look at the the church side of me when I'm at church on Sunday morning. No, don't look down either. I want the whole. I want everything. But how often are we settling? How often are we limiting? You guys can come forward. This morning, as a pastor, I don't want to forget where we are. I mean, we need to rejoice in what God is doing. I want to acknowledge all the incredible things that he's doing in us, that that we can celebrate having a young lady from our church in Thailand doing the work of the gospel. I get it. But I also 
want to be challenged by the plans and purposes that God has. I believe God's got more. I believe God desires for us to reach more. I believe God wants us to look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. He wants us to look at what's around us, to walk through what's around us and see all that He's given us. I believe God wants us to lift up our eyes. To start dreaming It may not make sense what God's promising. What did He promise Abraham? Descendants as numerous as the dust on the earth. They've never been across from Nebraska. There's a lot of dust. That makes sense. How does that make any sense when the population of the world wasn't even as numerous as the dust? God's promise in your life. God's promise for our church. Maybe you need to lift up your eyes. Maybe you need to look in a direction you weren't ever thinking. Abram didn't say north or south. He just said left or right. God said look north. Look south. Father, I come to you this morning. Pray, God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, not the words of a pastor or the plans of man, but the Spirit of God would challenge our hearts this morning. God, if there's someone in here who's settled, I'm comfortable where I am and I can stay where I am until Jesus comes back and all would be fine. God, I pray you challenge their heart this morning to look up. You challenge your eyes this morning with the promise of God. With the goal that maybe you spoke to them 30 years ago in Mesopotamia. You remind them, God, of the plans and purposes, of the call and promise that you placed upon their very life. God, if there's one in this place today, God, that would say, because of my mistakes, I'm where I am and I'm going to limit all that God has promised me because of what I've done and the choice to bring along Lot, God, I pray you speak to them. Lift up your eyes this day. As a body, as a church, God, I pray that we not become defined by by the limitations that we place upon ourselves, but we listen to your voice, we obey, and we go. And we experience the promise. Abram lived in the promise. Abram experienced the plans of God even though he made mistakes, even though he he, he did it his way for a while. He experienced the promise of God. He does it his way still. Help us this morning, God. God, I pray that as a church we press on. I pray that as a church, God, that we press on. 
until we take hold of that, that, that goal that is ours in Christ Jesus, until we see God uh, Crawford, until we see Dawes County, God, until we see uh, uh, the, those who need to know you, your will is that not one, there would be not one that would perish, but all would have everlasting life, God, until we've shared the gospel to everyone. That we would not be content. Complacent. Settled. Limited. God, I pray that you stir in our hearts this day. This day in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, if you've laid it upon anyone's heart this morning that, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, I know what Haran is because I'm living it. I know what Abram did because I'm doing it. God, I pray that this morning your voice would be clear. Your voice would be clear. In Jesus' name. As they lead us in a chorus, if you say, Pastor, I get this sermon. It like is smacking me in the face. It's stepping on my toes. It's making me uncomfortable. And you know, I don't know what to do with it. I want to pray with you. I want to believe with you for the goals that God has. Not that man has, not that you have, but what God has desired for your life. If you've limited, if you've settled, I want to pray with you that God's voice would be heard in your life, in your situation. So as they lead us in a course, I would open the altars and allow you to respond to what God is saying. If you say, Pastor, I get it. I just need to be reminded. Just listen. Let him speak to you this morning. God, we're your church. Your plans be fulfilled in us. God, I'm your child. Your gifts revealed to me. Help us to press on. Encourage us to step out of the boat. Challenge us to just obey and go. Because of the assurance of your promise. God, I ask that you would be free. You would have freedom to rebuke and encourage me. Our church when it's needed, that we experience, God, the promise and the plans that you have. That I experience, that everyone in this church experiences, God, the plans and promises you have in their life. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and grant you his peace. And may he lift up your eyes and give you a glimpse of the promise that maybe you haven't been seeing. Amen? Be blessed.